Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to dive into this episode with you here today. But if you love ultra training tips, if you love getting new workouts to try out, if you love all the principles, insights, and things that are going to make you a better endurance athlete, then you're going to love the free, and yes, this is free, there's nothing paid on here, but the free everyday ultra newsletter so this is a new newsletter that i'm rolling out where i'm going to be sharing bite-sized tips insights workout recommendations training methodologies that are going to help you be a better endurance athlete every day so whether you're looking to run your first 100 miler or a pr your next ultra distance whatever that might be this is going to be the newsletter for you and it's going to be super bite-sized you're going to get it in your inbox once a week straight from me and we're going to take insights from my experience in running also you know my insights learning from tons of the best endurance athletes in the world on this podcast and you're going to get it all in bite-sized nuggets in your inbox totally for free once a week so if you'd like to subscribe to the everyday ultra newsletter to help you become a better endurance athlete every day head to the show notes under the link that says subscribe to the newsletter and be on the lookout for the next edition of the everyday ultra newsletter and if there's anything that you want to see in that newsletter or things that might be helpful just hit reply in the welcome email that you get after you sign up and I'll be happy to tailor the content to the feedback that I get as well. Um, but just know there's going to be tons of great stuff in there. I almost like see it as, you know, getting a, you know, weekly pop in by uh, endurance, you know, the endurance wisdom gods or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up at this point. But you know what I'm saying. If you want endurance tips, the newsletter is going to have it for you. So subscribe to the newsletter, head to the show notes, click the button or I should say click the link next to the part that says subscribe to the newsletter and we'll see you in the inbox. All right, that's it for now. And let's get into this amazing episode here. Dude, and we have to hit record immediately. Well, for anyone watching on this video right now, uh, we, we have, first of all, the Moab 240 champion, Grand Slam champion, Triple Crown champion, Yellow Runner herself, Sally McRae. <laughs> Sally, thanks so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about today's podcast. This is so great. And I am i can't stop laughing at Leo right now because <laughs> you don't know Leo Fung. He is seriously one of my favorite humans. He makes me laugh at the most like inopportune times. I don't even expect it. Like coming into Shea Mountain like at 2 a.m. And it's literally like 18 degrees and he's wearing sliders without socks. Like, like the dogs are out. He's in shorts. I'm in six layers and he's like, so what do you need? Like, <laughs> like I need you to bundle up. You're making us all look cold or feel cold. Yeah. For real, he's, okay. he's over here making fun of me because I got like winter jacket, like sweatpants. I'm like freezing my butt off and he's like, dude, like. I can't even believe you're all bundled up. I was like, bro, I can't even believe the dogs are out. Like, what's going on, Leo? Like, jeez. 
and then and then he shows up with a suit on the podcast. I mean, it's just so this good. Is the best. This he, is the best. He keeps us on our toes. Leo, you keep oh. us on our toes, man. You never get one Z next time. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but like Leo is so such a awesome. good guy to have on the crew. Like, and Sally, I know oh. you can attest oh, to this, my but gosh. like, are you kidding uh, me? We, so yeah good. and we leo and i were saying even after this like like right before i left in my day state to go uh to go on the airport we we literally were like yeah like we came in this as strangers and like now i see like leo is like the older brother i never had which is like <laughs> so cool so sally thank you for so bringing true. us together yeah. because oh my you made gosh. that happen from bigfoot to moab it's just been like so much joy. I mean, if you want to fast track a friendship, just have people like crew and pace you for a 200 because they'll be your best friends for life. Like they'll either be your enemies yeah. or your best friends. There's no in between. So, um, <laughs> Leo and Joe forever, man. I already told Joe this, like oh, we were yeah. chatting, we were texting, um, the other day and I was like, Oh, I have crazy things planned for 2024. So just plan on me, like contacting you. You are a part of it. Like, <laughs> You're not going anywhere. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, and I would be so honored because, like, I mean, anyone you too, who, Leo. Uh, Leo, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's an all-star oh, dude. But I'll, any, I'll be there. Heck yeah. And anyone who's asked me about this experience, like, what's it like? Like, what was it like to be a Bigfoot in Moab? Like, seriously, Sally, I mean, it was the most inspiring experience in my life to see you go through everything. And I, we were kind of talking about this before, but seeing you go through everything you've gone through, both at Bigfoot with such a short turnaround from Tahoe, oh battling God, sickness, battling nerve pain in your feet, like all this stuff. And then to go at Moab and, and see you at the last 70 miles where we were pacing together, like just take the win despite facing every single obstacle and every excuse to, to quit. And, uh, it was like life-changing for me and life-changing for a lot of people to see your journey from the outside. So like with this whole journey, I'm sure we'll go into like the stories and then the, and the stuff, but I just want to say, you doing this whole grand slam has is changing the world. Like I know it's a, it, it seems small scale, but like you are having tangible impacts on so many people and uh, on, on behalf of myself and the running community, I just want to say thank you for doing what you're doing. Gosh, always with the words, Joe Corsio, Joey, always bringing That's me. the words. That's, me. That's my Joey right there, guys. Yeah. I, I love uh, it. That's like, a, I, I don't know where that came from, but somehow it started at Bigfoot. Like I was so delirious. I just started like talking to Joey like I was an Italian woman. And that I would was like the yell out to him on the, I was like, it was, and even his last name, like, your name is like, just like so Italian. You're like, Joey Corsione. Like, this is like, that's how I'm supposed to say it. And so like, <laughs> the whole time I was facing, you were facing me at Bigfoot. It was just coming out, and then it just it just stuck. So uh, <laughs> I love Thanks it. Thanks to you, Sally. Um, yeah, like Joey's uh, caller ID on my phone is literally Joey followed by five exclamation marks. It's true. I, I sent the text in the Joey. group, and we were in, yeah, we were in the car, and all of a sudden, like on like the thing, it says Joey, and I was like, "Is that me?" And he's like, he's like "Sure is." I was like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yep. Oh, so good. So good. Well, I, I know probably people, Sally, have been asking you how you're feeling and how are things going and everything. But I guess like to, to get past maybe like the common question that's being asked, I, I did ask you this question after Cocodona when we did the Cocodona recap episode. And now that you've kind of gone through the four 200s, you're the Grand Slam champion, winner of Moab, as you kind of reflected over the last few days, like what are some like huge takeaways, not even just from Moab, it could just be from Moab, but just the whole journey that 
you're going to take with you for the rest of your life uh, from the lessons you've learned. Because you came into this as such a student, which is one of the many, many things I admire about you. So kind of reflecting on the four 200s and even jackpot thrown in there. People forget the hundred miler in there, too. Uh, what are what are some of your biggest takeaways that, that you're taking into the, the, the rest of your life? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just how truly powerful our mind is. And that's something that anyone can harness. It's not like special to some people. You know, I, I think about some, some um, very specific gifts that people are given. You think of someone that has like a beautiful singing voice, right? Like they're just born with this like amazing voice that makes you want to cry every time they sing, right? You're like, that is an incredible gift to be able to sing that way. Um, and I, and I, think, I think of a lot of different gifts and talents that people just like they're born with. It's amazing. And it's so easy um, for us, especially in this world of social media, where we can look around and think that everyone has more than us. So they're, they, they're just more gifted or they're more talented or they just have what it takes and I don't. And I think the most beautiful lesson that I learned in all of this is that we all have this ability to harness the strength within us. And our, it starts in our mind. And it starts as soon as we open up our eyes in the morning. I mean, for some people, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning, you know, and, and one of the main reasons is because of what they're thinking about and how they're viewing the world and how they view themselves. And if you can tap into learning how to change that and if you understand the value that's in you, if you, if you can believe that you have the strength inside you that is all around you, that other people have, it can change your life. And, you know, starting with Cocodona 250, I definitely was not expecting that kind of race. I mean, it will go down forever as the most physically painful race I've ever mm -hmm. done in my life. And I think that because of the severity of um, the damage I did in my feet, I, there was never enough time to completely heal from it. So I knew that that pain was going to be a part of every race. But it, I was always very hopeful of every race. I mean, I would always tell Eddie, like, dude, this next one, like, feet will not be an issue. Like, we are healed. We are good. Like, skin's healed up. Like, I have preventative taping and all the lubes and, like, good socks. My shoes are good to go. Like, I was very hopeful. And I, I believe that that's a, a superpower, too, where if you look for hope and you look for good and you expect things to be um, strong, then then your brain's going to adapt to that. And so every time that my feet started to fall apart, I just didn't give them life. I would just say like, yeah, you don't, yeah, it is super painful like Cocodona, but like you don't get to have my energy or the focus. Like I'm just going to look for the good. And the good was always the goal of finishing that race or getting to that podium or, or winning. Like I, I had to make the goal greater than the pain each and every race. And I, I learned and built upon every race. As I went through each race, I started to take pieces from each race and use them for the next race. And I think ultimately that's how I was able to win Moab because all of the uh, shortcomings and setbacks and challenges and physical pain that I had in the other races, um, I had in Moab. In, in fact, I'd say it was probably the second most painful race that I did. I mean, mm -hmm. it was right up there with Cocodona because wow. Cocodona... <clears throat> 
I had an amazing stomach, ironclad. I ate the whole time. I was eating pizzas and quesadillas and like burgers. Like I, I felt incredible. Like everything felt great. I remember finishing Cocodona and my body wasn't even sore because I had to move so slowly in that race um, and take care of my feet. And so I just felt like, you know, Moab was everything. I, I, I couldn't, you know, I got to a point where I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I was vomiting water. I mean, Joe, you had to put up with probably the most intense, lowest side of me in that race, which I think was probably the toughest job out of everyone on the crew and pacing team, what you had to endure. And I purposely placed you as my last pacer for a reason because of that. Um, I knew that you are just as competitive as I am and that I knew I needed someone that wanted the win as much as I did. So I needed you to push me hard. I needed you to remind me you can do this. And because you had already paced me for a hundred miles at Bigfoot, you kind of understood what happens to me when I'm in a low state. And so I couldn't think of any of a more perfect person to be there at the end. And it, I know it wasn't easy. <laughs> I know it was really hard to endure at times, but um, I think that overall, like what I was able to do was call upon all of those races, all of those experiences. One, you know, one of them you were able to witness beforehand, but um, and and put together a race strategy that um, that got me to cross that finish line in, in first. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for all the kind words, Sally. Seriously, it was yeah. such a pleasure to be out there with you to, to share the highs, the lows and all the mo. I mean, like we were talking before, you battled so much in that last 70 miles and, and yeah. to see you go through what you go through, but still move forward strong was just so inspiring. And, and like, that was something that all and even like so like pacing you 100 miles at bigfoot when i look at that experience versus this one just so even you know though, you're one of few people in all history that will ever be able to say that <laughs> i paced her for 100 miles like, i know no, no big deal <laughs> for sure i know people ask is that a standard pacing distance i was like i don't think so but uh no you know. it isn't in all the universe no <laughs> oh my gosh. And then, and then Leo over here, I mean, like even just like the, the crew, I mean, you were talking about on your podcast, Sally recap. I mean, like some of the stuff we had to drive through was, was crazy too. And like, that was a big crew effort on that race too. And so, um, I mean, Leo was an all-star there as well. Um, oh, but Bigfoot was insane. I, I don't, oh, yeah. for anyone that hasn't listened to that recap, you need to, because again, Leo, one of being my, one of my favorite persons ever, crewed and drove like 800 miles without even using Google Maps. Like, who does that? <laughs> like, where are you from? Like, like, who gave you your brain? Like, can I have oh. some of it? Like, I don't even know, dude. And it was like treacherous driving. It wasn't like, like, SoCal, take the five to the 405 to the six. It was like, we don't even know where we are. I didn't know where I was most of the time in that race. Like... <laughs> It was insane. It was yeah, wild. Rockstar crew, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Leo, I'm curious for you, like, kind of like chiming in, and you've been, and, and Sally, I know she agrees, is like just a rockstar crew guy. I mean, like, there's a reason why you were out here, and man, and I can attest, like, you're one of the most helpful, like, people. I guess, like, mm -hmm. from like a crew standpoint, from your perspective, like, how are you so on it? Like, I mean, and, and I say that just because if anyone's listening, wanting to crew someone, I feel like there's a lot to, to learn from you, but like, that's such a big help in terms of like the goal and, and getting there. But like, what drives you to be 
like so on it because I've had experience with a crew where they're great and but sometimes and Sal you've talked about this too on your show it's like sometimes people can get tired at the end or things like yeah. that um, but you don't you're on it so what's what's yeah. your secret well I, I I think a big part of it is I've I've been in the runner's shoes like quite a few times um, I'll definitely say I'm not necessarily as fast as you guys uh, but like I've still got that sense of urgency usually like I mean, I mean, Sally, you and I were yo-yoing each other. Uh, even at though you were running, yeah, at Cocodona, yeah. you were running faster yeah, people, than me. But... Leo, Leo ran Cocodona two fifty, so don't let him. Don't think me. Not <laughs> don't sell yourself short, Leo. Yeah, don't let the yeah. suit fool you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was keeping my transitions at cruise stations pretty clean, like no more than ten minutes. Occasionally, I'd forget something, but there was always that sense of urgency, um, and. Yeah, like I, I think I just because I've, I've got that fire just to get in and out. Like, why are we wasting time debating life here? Just sitting instead <laughs> of we can maybe do that while you're walking out the aid station. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really good to have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I'm not your real family. So if I uh, if I see you guys are hurting, I can just tell you to suck it up (laughs) (laughs) so true i i I had this discussion i think it was with summer i don't remember we had this discussion about um inviting your loved ones to these events yeah you gotta gotta, gotta have an understanding yeah Yeah. eddie's a special one hey eddie didn't face (laughs) or crew me for many years it wasn't until 2021 that was his first time ever crewing me oh wow yeah it's only been a couple years yeah he's got it nailed down yeah, yeah, no, he's awesome. But like a big part of it too was like our kids were were really little when I started, and so my very first race that I did was American River Fifty, and every time I came to an aid station, my kids would cry, and they wanted the candy off the tables, and they were wondering why I kept on running away from them, and like, and my, I'm really close with my kids, so it's like I go into mom mode. Like, have they had their nap? Did like, do you need to take them to the bathroom? Like, I get like so distracted. So as the years went on, we're like, probably not a good idea. Like, yeah, we. Our family can't do the family crew thing. Um, I think my 2015 Western States, Ann Trayson was my coach. And Eddie mm-hmm. surprised me and showed up at Michigan Bluff. And I started crying. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like <laughs> grabbing my kids. And Ann is like, no, get out of here now. Like, I was racing. I was racing in the top 10. And she's just like, uh-uh. <laughs> This is not okay. So, um, yeah, we had a couple trial and errors, and it was just like the best thing was was to not have him at the cruise. Now that the kids are older, it's like so much fun to to share it. But yeah, you go through seasons where sometimes it's a good idea to have your loved ones out there, and sometimes it, and then it just depends on the type of relationship you have. So, you know, everyone has different. There's you know, different types of relationships and not everyone can do well with having a, a, a partner out there. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And it was, it was so special to see you have those moments at some of the cruise stations. And you talk about this on your recap, which anyone who wants to listen to the full recap, please do. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes on Sally's podcast, True Strong. It's incredible. Definitely listen to it. But you talk about how there was those moments where there was a lot of people there on the crew and I totally get how that can be like, you know, just a lot of things, but you would want to be with Eddie, which is great. And I thought that was so special to have that moment with your person to, to recharge, to have that with him. Like it was so 
inspiring to see you two, you know, have the energy just, you know, feeding off each other to help you get back out there and move strong, like after going through like a rough section or something, which was super cool. Oh, to see. yeah. And I don't think Eddie knew that I was going to be that way. But I think mm -hmm. the, you know, when I would come in, what I knew was like one, the, the two other girls, Ellen and who are phenomenal athletes racing so hard, they're so competitive. I sometimes would go in the car because I didn't want those crews analyzing me. I didn't want mm -hmm. them to ever see or catch on to like my real state of what was going on. Um, I didn't want to give them any feedback at all. And so there is that side, but I don't think that Eddie understood. And I, I kind of had to like fib even with him at what, like how terrible I was actually feeling and how much mm -hmm. pain I was actually in. And so I thought if I am going to stand here with the whole crew, with everyone and everyone's speaking into what I'm feeling, like I'll probably start crying. Mm. I'll probably stay in here a lot longer. Um, and so, yeah, there was a couple of times I just went to the car cause it was like, I need to get in and out. And if I stay too long, like it just won't be good. So, um, yeah, I was hoping it, it I, I definitely was hoping it would be a little different when I would come in to the aid stations because, you know, for me, Moab was also like, it was marking the end of this big grand slam and I wanted a big crew. Like I wanted lots of pacers and a big crew to celebrate with and share this with. This is something I didn't want to do, you know, alone. So I was grateful to have, you know, time with each pacer, like out on, out on the trail, but um, yeah, some of the aid stations were like really, really intense for me just because I was hurting so much. Um, but I do love Joe when we picked you up, like that was probably one of my favorite aid stations because that was mm -hmm. such an intense, like competitive moment, I think for all of us. And like, I remember Leo's like calling out my time, like how long he's like, Hey, it's been eight minutes. And like, you know, and, um, and, and then we had like summer in there telling me about like the condition of, of, um, L at the time and, and how competition was playing out. And, um, and then Eddie was like trying to get me moving and get me all my gear. It was, it was so intense. Like we're going to take over first place right now and we're never going to give it up. And we did it. Like we took it over and we didn't look back. And, um, that was like super exciting to share that moment. Cause everyone was cheering and it was like, the energy was so high when we left. And I remember thinking like how special that was, you know, it was like the whole crew and all the pacers were there and it was just like that excitement. Um, yeah, that really propelled me up the mountain cause we had to run pretty hard <laughs> to, yeah. uh, the next five miles it was it was crazy <laughs> yeah and i'll never forget the moment you looked at me right before we went out and you're going we gotta run this and i was like let's go i remember <laughs> i was like so stoked i was you know like you and, and you ran i mean like it was and i have that video of you running with like the sunset in the back and it's just yeah. um it was like i was like in my head i was like holy crap like she's moving so strong like this is incredible yeah. like what what is through your mind? Obviously, this is a very like uh, good in, um, example of your now famous slogan, "Pass Gap and Barry," which is great. Like you had just gotten to the first, you and you were like, "People message me that they use yes. that in races." Oh it's the yes, best thing ever. Yes, so good. Pass Gap and so Barry. So good. I know, and I think about it too. What? What? I'm, I'm sure that goes through your head, but like, what else goes through your head? Because like. You got to be, I mean, it was mile, what, 170, right? Mile 170 coming in there and you, right? Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. Cause 70 miles to go 240. Yeah. So mm -hmm. heads down, 
grinding it out. And it's not even like it was yeah. flat. Like there was incline. No. Um, so, and we were climbing up yeah. higher into altitude because. Yes. So yeah. what goes think, through your head in those moments? Yeah. Well, it's you're, you're thinking about one like I had the race strategy of I was going to begin racing when Billy started pacing me. And mm-hmm. that was a 27 mile road section. It was indulating. We had, it was up and down, but like we had to run the entire time. And I think at times we were going, which in a 240, this does not sound fast, but when you're at mile, um, 140, this is fast. Like we were, we were doing five miles an hour and the goal was to catch first place in that section. And so I knew when I came into that aid station that we couldn't let off the pedal. So we had run like a pretty solid, efficient pace already for 30 miles. So when I came in to pick you up, I knew if I stayed in that aid station for too long that I would get comfortable and I would want to rest because yeah, your body wants to rest after a 30 mile push. But now we were making the move and I, I thought, yeah, you know, Joe, you had such great energy, which that's how you were at Bigfoot too. Is like, we had those moments where it's like, let's go, let's go. And I think that I, when I, when I looked at the terrain, it was like, we're going to be running up a hill into altitude and it was windy. All those things like went so far against like some of the breathing problems that I have, but you're just weighing like your goal in that moment. It's, it's the same thing. It's like, this isn't ideal and I don't feel great, but like it's now or never. And this is what you train for. This is like, this was the dream. And, and there's no smooth pathway to getting a dream. Like it's hard work and you're going to be uncomfortable and you're either going to take it or you're not. And so I wanted just to keep the race honest and know that, um, I was capable of doing what, what I had trained to do and, and what I had strategized from, from the beginning. And, and so it was, it was good running up that hill with you because I think we both knew what was happening. I knew that Ann and Elle were like such strong runners and like, and if we didn't run, we would be passed. Like mm-hmm. it wouldn't be long before they would be chasing us down. So, um, and they, and they pushed that entire race. So it was like, we had to do that in order to stay ahead <laughs> Yeah. And you made it happen too. I mean, like you put like that gap on, like just, I think it was nearly almost every step was just running and it was like just incredible to see that coming in and you can see the fire, you can see like the, the hype and the stoke, but also too, like, you know, I, I knew it was like 170 miles in, like to, to go through that and keep pushing was just absolutely incredible. And it does remind me of, of the post that you just posted, um, talking about like, we used to, we, we, we got used to being comfortable. We forgot what it felt like to grow, to feel, to step outside of our pillow walls and discover what we're capable of uh that reminded me so much of that moment and the also the road section the other quiet section uh that we had that was super exposed and we were just hammering down that hill um i guess talk it was to me a about 25 mile section without an aid station and you and, and, I and we thought it was like, 20 what <laughs> you, thought it- <laughs> you and i both like i think wanted to cry together when we realized that yeah yeah, and, that was But hot. then I also had to be like, don't be surprised, don't be surprised, because that happened at Tahoe. You know, we, we thought the race was 208 miles and it was 220. And I didn't know that until I'm looking at my map and I'm realizing we're, this isn't an out and back on this section. They're now taking us on this route that loops all the way around. They're, they're literally adding 14 miles right now. 
And it was, it would have been so easy at the end of that race to just be like, screw this dude. Like, are you kidding me? That's like another three hours of running. Like, but I, I had to click into that when, when that volunteer said that I had a moment of, are you joking me? And then mm-hmm. I had to, and then I realized, no, everyone has to do that though. Everyone has to run the extra five miles. Every single person is suffering and is in this fully exposed section. Everyone needs water. Like you can't carry enough water for 25 miles. I mean, it was like, it was, it was insane. And then of course, just the repercussions of that too, coming to that aid station and being so dehydrated and so depleted that I was puking water. I couldn't even keep water down. Like there was so much damage done at that point. So I think everything is always just a mind game. It's what can you handle? And every time it feels like, oh my gosh, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And we say that so much in life, like, that's it. This is the last time. Like, I can't take it anymore. And I know I've been there before. And I think that throughout these races, I've had those moments where I've questioned myself, can I keep enduring this? And it isn't then thinking of enduring it as a whole. It's just, can I endure it for another step? Can I endure Mm. it for another minute? And that's really what that became. We had to like break it down. And you were like trying every mind game possible with me. You're like, just around this corner, just around this corner. And then I was like getting mean with you. I was like, you're lying. You're a liar. Like I was so delirious. I was so tired and so depleted. I hadn't had calories or anything to drink in hours, people. And Joe's trying to make me feel better. Then I'm like, you're a liar. You're lying. I, I do Joe. remember it was that last aid Poor station. Joe. Remember, remember all those like turns, and you were yes. like, "Is it? Is it over here?" And I was like, "It's just right around the turn." And in my head, I was like, "It's not around the turn, but I gotta keep her going. She's gonna it hate was. me, but let's do it." And I was, and every time we got the turn, you were like, "It's not there," and I was like, oh, "It's on the next one, though." It's and eventually, I was right. And you had like this. One of the times, though, you did make me laugh. I did laugh because you had, like, this childish, like, mischievous smile on your face. And it, like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he knows that he's, like, lying to me and he doesn't know what to do. Oh, it's like I feel conflicted because it's like I know I'm lying to my friend, but this is helping her. It's good. It's, it's all good. We're still moving here. We're oh, still moving. Uh-huh. There, there was that one and the, uh, the the infamous where I was like, this is the last climb. And then we uh, had that one up the mountain um, yeah. right before the road section. And you were like, this is not yeah. a little climb. <laughs> this is uh, not the last climb. <laughs> yeah. But it, like, so it relates good. to like your point. Like it's like, you know, when you think like, oh, this section's done and it's like we're here and, you know, yeah. um, I felt like trying to like encapsulate that and it's a balance, right? Like you want to obviously give enough information to let the, like the runner know what there is. But, um, I think it's like, you got to take it into those like small chunks. Like you said, I love how you say it's like, you're not going for another 18 miles. Like you just have to endure the next step. And I love that so much Mm because that is, you know, the thing that I see helps you get through like this pain. It's not like the overwhelming majority of all these miles. It's just breaking it up in one step at a time, which, it sounds almost like cliche in the endurance world, but it really is, especially in these 200 mile races, the key to not getting so overwhelmed by the distance, especially when you're facing a total storm, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was, I think having done all these races so close together too, in those like hardest moments was just recalling what we had already done before. 
And mm-hmm. I, when you and I were at that last aid station, we had 18 miles left and I had just started vomiting water and there was two medics standing there. And I knew if I stay in here too long, they're going to make me stay. And you yeah. were just, which you should have been because I feel like this is how I would have been if I was at the runner. You were like, you have to eat something, Sally. Like, I we can't go eat. You haven't had anything. Like, you have to get calories in. So I think they put like some, a little bit of soup in one of my flasks, yep. like just some broth. But I remember just looking at you and saying, I, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I could say that was because of what happened at Tahoe. I mean, I think I maybe had 2,500 calories that entire race, which is not recommended is not ideal, not a good idea, but I was so sick. I mean, and so I think that being surprised by what the human body is able to endure and the way it's still able to push. Like I, I, I was like amazed after Tahoe. I couldn't believe that, but that's what gave me the confidence for us to keep pushing at that aid station. When Anne was closing in, I mean, I think she was only like three and a half miles behind us at that point. She had gained a couple miles on us. And I knew if we don't leave right now, then we're, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. It might be a foot race like it was with the guys. I mean, Jesse and um, Jeff racing on the bike path. Are you kidding me? At the end of a 240-mile race? I can't think of anything worse. Like, I, I can't even imagine how painful that was. I yeah. Like, both those guys are amazing too. But, like, just the fact that that's what these races now are coming down to. It used to not be this way, you know, but now 100 mile races are coming down to people racing up until like right up through that finish line. And it's happening at these 200s too. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, we need to keep going. But yeah, I think, um, you know, just building upon past setbacks and past challenges, like, that really helped me push out of that aid station. It's like, I haven't anything this long. I think we can do eight, two more miles with nothing. So, yeah, I remember you saying that. And I, it, it was one of those things like where you looked at me and I was like, I, I know she's pulling this truth. Like I know it's like, there's sometimes I'm sure you've seen it, Sally crewing for people and Leo, I'm sure you've seen it too, or maybe your runner says something and you're like, okay, like, hold on a second. Like yeah. this, we, we need to take it. But in that moment, like when you talked to me, I was like, okay, like, she's got this. Like, I believe it. Cause you can tell that you were tapping into that intuition, that knowledge. And you, you talk about that on your podcast, like, t- like tapping into that intuition and talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. can be such a power when we're out there, like on the trail, because we hear all the time, right? Like, like I was saying, I was like, you need to eat if you're going to hammer, but maybe not like, or Hey, like you need to maybe walk up this hill, but you were running up the hills. Like, how do you practice? Like, really just getting to know you a lot more, right? Because when there's so much noise coming from your brain telling you, you know, you can't do this or this is hard or, oh my gosh, my feet hurt. Like to tap into that intuition, I feel is is a deep skill and you have that. And like, talk to me a little bit more about like how we can get more familiar with ourselves in the middle of a giant storm in the middle of a race. I think, I think what's really easy, especially in the world of sports, it's just not even endurance sports is, We rely really heavily on, you know, what are the pros doing? What or what is everyone else doing on social media? Um, what does the science say? Like it's it is a constant. Uh, when we want to get better, we're trying to find the information that's going to help us get better. 
And so when it comes to some of the most basic things, um, for example, in endurance sports, we know that fuel is going to get us to that finish line. We need calories. We need that, right? Like we know that redlining at the beginning of a hundred mile race probably isn't smart. That's going to take away from our race for the end of the race. Like we kind of understand like pacing and hydration and, and nutrition. But I, I genuinely believe that despite all the, the science and the studies that are out there, there is this beautiful part of who you are that is so unique that, you know, science never holds you in mind. And it would take your entire lifetime for science to study just you uniquely to learn about the ins and outs of who you are, what you can handle and what you're capable of. And that is like one of my favorite things about humankind is that we can do studies and I think it would be wise for people to start studying case studies and how they're conducted and actually who the people are that they're doing these studies on or how long of a duration they did a study on. Because sometimes you start to learn that some of the stuff that we believe is based off a really horrible study. It wasn't mm. even like done right. Um, I learned this when I was doing bad water, when I was studying for like heat training and how the best to do bad water, it was like, everything I found was like guys on a bike in a heated room for 45 minutes. I'm like, how does that, I can get some, some good information from that. Like I know I need salt and potassium and sodium, you know, I, I need, um, I need to hydrate and I need fuel. Like I need a lot of like the basic things about heat training, but like, what does it look like for Sally running 135 miles in the desert? Well, guess what? No one knows. I have mm. to go out there and experiment. And that's, you know, it took me a couple tries to win that race, but it wasn't until I really put myself through some very specific studies and paid attention to my body and listened to what I specifically needed and sought out the answers that, that worked for me. You know, not everyone needs to hydrate the same or needs the same amount of calories or needs the same shoes or paces the same way or has the same muscular and skeletal system. Like I want to find how to be the best me. And so I think what I started learning even in these 200s was I rely so much on what I read and like what other people are doing. But like when you're going for so long, you have to be able to tap in to just getting to know you. No one can mm. feel what you're feeling. No one wants your goal as bad as you do. And when you're in pain, like that's different for everyone. We all feel and, and connect with pain differently. I think that's like something that I always try to convey to people too, is like, I, I can work through some pretty intense physical pain because I experienced a lot of physical pain as a kid. And so when you get used to that and you, it's almost like training for something, like you start to build and you're able to endure a little bit more, you're able to understand it a little bit more, you understand how things turn out or heal or whatever, your relationship with pain starts to change because you're in it maybe more. And so I think, you know, that's kind of what happened at Moab was, well, I've, I've been in this foot pain I remember at Cocodona how much I endured. And then it was like, well, Tahoe, like I barely was able to eat anything at all. So like, I know I can keep going. Are those things healthy? Am I like, am I searching for to do those things? No, not at all. Like I would love to eat well and not have tattered feet when I run. But being able to understand like what I'm personally capable of doing because I've been through it and I've tested it. I mean, that just opens up a whole like floodgate of possibility. And I think we're all different. 
I think that we all have different thresholds. I think that we all have different starting points. And I think that we can all continue to grow in whatever it is that, that we're searching for. So when people write me and they're like, dude, I literally pulled out of a race because I had two blisters. Like it was so horrific, the pain. And I'll tell you what, it is so painful. Like you mm-hmm. have so many nerve endings in your feet like one blister can literally take you out of a race. Like it can consume your, your thoughts, like it consume everything about you can affect your running gait. Like, especially if you're on road, like it's horrific that me enduring past that shouldn't make you feel ashamed. It shouldn't make you feel bad that you had to drop out. No, that's your starting point. So you start there and you learn how to work through that. You learn how to care for yourself. You learn how to build through that. And it might be years before, you know, that tolerance changes. But I'm very respectful of people's relationship with pain because it's it's different. And I think that pain is used for different things in our life. And if anything, I think that the greatest thing that can be brought about from pain, if, if you've gone through a lot of pain, is your capacity for compassion. And instead of we can turn hard and we see this a lot. We see this in our everyday world, like people that have been hurt, they hurt other people and they're resentful and they're hard and they use their platforms to spread unkindness and judge people. But, you know, you can also use your pain to be compassionate upon other people and say, I feel you. I've been there and I want to change that situation. And I want to encourage you that it's going to get better. And I want to encourage you that you can be strong and, and go through that. And I think that that's gold, but you don't know that unless you're in it. And so if you've never been in a point of discomfort and struggle, and that's like why I did that post today, that quote that you just read, it's like you are missing out on a side of you that's like so beautiful. I don't think you should chase pain and try to be uncomfortable, but be okay that in your everyday life, the storms are going to come and you're going to have hard days and it has nothing to do with, you know, with running. And so, you know, I take a lot of those things with me, like when I'm working through stuff or even Joe, when I had told you, I was like, you can't talk to me for like the next like hour. I'm in so much pain. A lot of the times I'm like, that's, I'm like praying and like Mm -hmm. working through that, like trying to, understand like, okay, this hurts so bad, but I know I can work through it. And I just start to think of a lot of different things in life and, and, and my past and other things that I have gone through in previous races and just start to build from there. So it's like a rebuilding, you know, you're in that pain and you're just kind of like rebuilding in it and then letting it go, really not letting it be the governor of your life, but Mm-hmm. Letting it be there is a way to make you stronger, but it's not the dictator. Mm, so good. Oh, so good. So much I, I love about that is like letting it be there, but not letting it be the dictator is so great. And we even had a conversation on trail that I remember you talking about, like sometimes even just expressing it, like can like have you be aware of it, but you don't let it take control of you. When you were first talking about your feet, this is where we had that conversation, right? Um, And to see you live that out on those next steps were amazing. And the other point on there that I I love that you mentioned is like how you show up like when you're in pain is and using it for like 
something good, something beautiful is, is incredible. And I wrote a whole post on this, but I remember at Bigfoot, um, it was in that green section that was like the tunnel that just, oh my gosh, just, you know, never ended, super painful. But I remember seeing you go through so much and like, I, I'll never forget. Like I, I remember just getting so emotional, like when this happened, but you were just going through everything you were grateful in your life. And I was sitting there being like, here's someone who's running her second 200 mile race in 17 days, going through all sickness, nerve pain, all this stuff. And you were going on for 10 minutes about how grateful you were for life. And like, I, I'm literally tearing up around because it's just so special. Like, but like seeing how you carry yourself amidst that pain, I mean, it just shows how you don't let it dictate you. And, and instead you use it as something that keeps you moving forward, right? Like not as a way to say like, you know, I have to be in pain to be strong, but you show up strong despite the pain, which is just so incredible. So incredible. Leo, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to, to add on, on to, onto that as well. Well, no, but uh, like, well, I guess one of the memories that I've had from Bigfoot was the medic there, Thor, just saying, don't give it life Mm. uh, regarding your blisters. And like, it's, it's just so amazing to see that has continued basically to the end of Moab here. Like, you know, you acknowledge the pain, but you just choke it out. You just, yeah, you acknowledge its existence, but it doesn't take over. And that's, that's definitely key to all this is, you know, the pain's valid, but it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So good. I, I, yeah. And I, I do remember that moment too. And I remember seeing her at Moab too. And I was like, yeah. oh, great. Like, so, so good <laughs> to see you there. Um, but that was like such a like amazing quote, like don't give pain a voice, like so to say. Um, for you, like when Sally, when we were kind of in that last moment, like there was a lot of obstacles kind of coming, right? Sleep deprivation. And, you know, we were in this kind of time loop and through, what was it? Like the whole enchilada, whatever that like last section's called. I felt like um, that last section, it, I felt like we were in the twilight zone, like that yeah. we were running the same thing over. Like we would turn a corner and I was like, I feel like we keep running this. And I think I was just so delusional. I, I was very delusional. I mean, I think you had called out to me a few times and then I like was just standing there in the dark by myself holding onto a rock or a tree branch or, and yeah. then I just have to drop down on the dirt. Like you'd come back and be like, what do you need, Sally? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to sleep, I think, or else I can't move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't exactly. remember a lot. <clears throat> I think once it got dark, everything just was like, it didn't make, it didn't like always make sense what the direction we were going. Um, I remember like everything seemed blurry like I felt like I was running in like this, just like this little light tunnel. And like, I was just trying to focus on your, on your, on your yellow hat. And I would, I would take out my phone. Cause I remember I, I, I remember being aware that I was going through a lot of the same stuff I went through at Tahoe, but I was by myself mm-hmm. in Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And um, I do not remember a lot of the end of that race, but what saved me was the fact that they require us to carry a map and, mm-hmm your phone has to be charged the whole time. And so I knew when I would come back into kind of reality, like full logic that the, 
the, I, I would, I held my phone the entire time, the uh, mm-hmm. entire end of, of Tahoe. So the phone kind of became like, um, my reminder. And I would tell myself that, okay, just hold on to your phone. And then when you can't remember your loss, like just stare at your phone and you'll remember that you're in a race. You'll remember oh, wow. like where you're going. And I felt like even when you and I were running, I would kind of stare at the map and like, I'd be like, oh yeah. And I was obsessed with the bike path. That's all I would talk about. Like that was, <laughs> and I just kept saying, Joe, where's the bike path? Where's the bike path, Joe? I Remember when we thought we were on the bike path? Yeah, we thought we were on the bike path. We were like a hundred yards away from the bike path and we're like three miles from the bike path. <laughs> I looked at the map and you were so stoked. You were like, we made it. And I was like, looking at the map, I was like, oh, I was like, do, do I, I tell, tell her? her once again. <laughs> yeah, once I was like, do again, I tell her? <laughs> just around the corner, Sally. <laughs> oh and when we finally God. got there, we hugged. It was like this yes. celebration of, oh my gosh, we have arrived at the bike path. It's funny because Drew, we're making a film, a Moab film. And Drew talked a lot about the last section running with you. And he was saying, he's like, I, he got it on film of you and I like hugging once we got to the bike path. I'm like, oh, we were celebrating that. You have no idea how much that was like, we anticipated it. And it, it kind of marked really just like cementing that I was going to be in first place. Cause I promised Joe that as soon as we hit the bike path, like we were going to rip it open and tear it up and it was like oh yeah how fast are we actually going but like in my mind which i think is powerful like you make yourself believe you tell yourself stories that are positive and so in my mind was sal if you get to the bike path like you're gonna be able to gap like never before because it's smooth you can run smooth it's flat and you're just like no one will move as fast as you but like I ran into a pole, I tripped over the sidewalk and fell into the road. Like I was talking to you about an Uber driver and a random woman. Like I, I was completely delusional and dizzy and like all over the place. I don't like the bike path seemed to me to last a hundred meters. Mm. And I, I can't believe it was five miles. It went by so fast to me, but I, I think I also turned around and looked behind me at least 85 times thinking that. Anne had turned off her. I was like, I bet Anne was going to turn off her headlamp. And the funny thing is, I had never seen Anne once in the entire race. Yeah. This is what's so hilarious is I'd never seen her. I didn't even know what she looked like. Like the next day when I woke up in the morning, I opened up my Instagram to see the finishing pictures. I was like, oh, there's Anne. I was like, oh, she's cute. Big old smile. Like, and then I saw Elle too. And I was like, oh my gosh, awesome. Like, here we are. But like, it was funny because, you know, in my mind and, and, you know, the whole race, everyone is telling you like, they're getting close, they're getting close. And I'm like, Dude, I can't see four miles behind me. Like, that is so freaking far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's no way that she's going to catch me. But then but then I was like, but actually, like, if she drops the hammer, like, yeah, actually she could. <laughs> I know. It was like the headlamp. I was like, it's open. But, like, the headlamp was so far away. Like, and it's like, when, like, it's interesting. You talk about this at 200-mile races, like, in like a race, like that's very runnable, like maybe a hundred miles or hundred K like four miles is like, Oh man, like they can catch it. But yeah, for 200 miles. And this is like a reflection for me. Cause I, I'd never done one of these races. I've just paced, but it's like, wow, like four miles, like is pretty, like that's a wide gap in a 200 miler, especially towards the end too. Mm-hmm. So like to, to 
to have it's like close but it's also not close because i love what you talk about doing the math and kind of like and even you were explaining when you were on that last section being like all this stuff and i was like oh yeah like that's that's right like that's great and so um it's like a whole different kind of trip when you're in there as well kind of speaking on the same vein of like so i love how competitive you are sally i think it's like (laughs) why i just jive with you so much for the many reasons there's so much things but i love the competitive spirit but you also have this deep respect for everybody that you compete with too. Talk to me about that because I I know, and I've struggled with this in the past sometimes is like, sometimes you can get so competitive and like, it's just like this brute force and you know, all that stuff. But you have this great dichotomy of balancing like love for your competitors, but also the desire to win. So, so talk to me, I guess about that and how that kind of played out in the race here. Cause I think that's just one of the many things that make you such a strong athlete. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I think, you know, in, a, in especially in sports, um, the competitiveness between men and women sometimes can get like a little like blurry. I feel like when guys talk about being competitive, you know, like you just expect that, like even like the bantering and the going back and forth. But um, I, since I've been in this sport, it's, it's like kind of like I've always thought it's kind of weird because I was a soccer player. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you're wild competitive. Like you, you're right up on your opponent all the time. You're pushing into each other and you're like elbowing and grab each other's jerseys. I mean, it's just like, it's a very physical sport. That's how everyone plays. And like, when you go out there with your team, you're just like fired up and you're looking at the other team. Like, yeah, we're going to beat you. It's just like, I've all in playing that my entire life. Like I've found a lot of joy in that, but you also re but you also respect your, your competitors too. It's like, you're better because they're working hard Mm. coming into the running world. I noticed like, like a lot of times, like girls almost like shied away from this idea of like, I want to win. And like, I train really hard and like, this is what I want to do. And like, I think I can do it. Um, and we would see like a lot of girls even finishing races, like holding hands and Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. But like in my mind, I'm like, you did not train that hard Mm. for six months and envision yourself holding hands with somebody. Like Mm. I completely respect that you guys are both out there, like pushing, you're pushing hard and hard, but that's how you become the, your absolute best is you're pushing each other all the way through that finish line. And you, you want one person to cross first. Like you want one person to have that day. And I'm a big believer in, in celebrating other people. Like when my teammates or my competitors like win a race, like I, I take the time to send them messages on Instagram and I comment on their pictures. And I, I think that understanding that you know, it's, yeah, there's definitely like rivalry and there's cattiness like in every sport. But like, if we just understood, like we are all like so unique, none of Mm -hmm. us are going to have perfect, perfect races all the time. None of us are going to be like amazing all the time. Like I have been humbled in this sport so many times, like, like terribly humbled, like publicly humbled. And I, and so I feel like, of, of course, I'm going to have like the greatest respect for my competitors, because when I have a good day, that's why I have a good day is because they make me run faster. They make me dig deeper when when they're right on my heels, like I'm going to make that choice to be my bring my best out and give all that I have. Or I'm just going to get comfortable and say, like, I don't want to push that hard. Like it hurts too much. Or like I like I just this isn't my day. Like. But I could also feel like, too, even at Moab, like if I was leading by like 30 miles the whole time, I guarantee you I probably would have finished in a much slower time. 
Like mm. it would have been like, I would have taken time in the aid stations to fix my feed and like taken time to like eat the calories and like take a picture at sunset. Like I would have, because I'm 30 miles in front of everyone. Like why not enjoy it? Why put myself into that point of pain? But like our competitors show us what we're capable of doing. Mm. And what came out of me at Moab, like, I didn't know I was capable of enduring all that. Like, it was horrible for most of the race. Like, the un discomfort that I was feeling and what I went through was like, that was not fun. And I wouldn't recommend it, but like, the goal was worth it. And so I kept pushing. And because I had these amazing women, these amazing athletes who were giving 110% of themselves, like, that's what ultimately like pushed me to have a great race. So I think that we could definitely do a better job at celebrating the race. Like the spirit of the race is to give everything you give all of yourself. But I love mm. the journey to a race too. That's where you share the miles with friends. That's where you like stop for those sunset pictures. That's where you're, you know, you're doing workouts together and you're sweating together and like you're encouraging one another. But like on race day, like it's okay to just like tear it open and say like, show me what you got. Because when you show me what you got, like it makes me dig deep and discover what, what's in me too. And I just, I think that especially in ultras, when you line up at that start line, every single person there is freaking brave and full of belief. And they have, they know that they have the strength in them to finish that race. That's why they're there. That's why they signed up in the first place. And so I just mad respect for everyone that's there. And yeah, I mean, Anna now amazing. I know they're going to continue to go on to do, you know, great things in the sport. I'm excited to see them you know, move on in these 200s. I think that was Elle's, you know, first time. So to get on the podium in your first 200, like, holy heck, dude. Stella. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And you got me fired up, Sally. Like, that was <laughs> awesome to hear that, too. And and I remember, like, hearing you talk about this. I remember the moments where I was relaying some updates from you being like, hey, like, um, we got updates, like, from Cruz saying, like, you know, Elle wasn't feeling so good or, like, Anne had to go back that one part. And, like, your first reaction was always, like, oh, no, like, I'm, I'm, I feel so sorry for her. And I was, like, whoa, like, that is, like, but then you were also, like, yeah, great, like, now we can keep going. So it yeah. was, like, kind of like a dichotomy, which was yeah. so cool to see, like, that you still had this deep care. And we were sharing updates on, like, other people we were running with throughout. And any time, like, it was, like, unfortunate news, like, you always had this deep sense of care but you had that dig to keep driving too, which was, I thought so special and, and something I'll, I'll never forget for sure. Um, on a kind of lighter note, like since we have Leo here too, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of curious, like, so from both of you guys, when you think about, and, and Sally, this can be from Moab, this can be from Bigfoot, this can be for any of your races too. And Leo, like, obviously we have the two race experience. What's a, a moment that maybe we had along this journey that was just absolutely wild, insane, funny, like just crazy, like kind of BTS footage. Leo has for so many. Leo, let's let's hear it. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I think well, I'll do Moab just because it's more recent. But your your sudden fixate fixation for singing Creed songs. <laughs> you should tell that story Joe. like that just came out of nowhere and to top it off like on my ipod i had creed's greatest hits so we oh were my gosh, I we were psyching it. him up with that 
but it, it just came out of left field. Like, we were driving back from, uh, like, on that first night after dropping With Sarah With arms wide open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, we sang I know. it. Oh, we so good. Joey and I sang that out on the trails, and I told him, I was like, do you know that was, like, Eddie's favorite band in college? He's like, what? His head was just, like, blown. He's like, no way. Eddie's awesome, man. I was like, oh, yeah, I go play any song. He's like, all right. He's like scrolling through like his playlist. <laughs> there we so are, good. like out out in the desert, belting out the song, man. Oh, I'll never so, forget that ever. Singing that Creed so with fun. with the Joey man out in Moab. <laughs> we were so delirious and and cause like I remember Beyond. like cause I think you asked me like at one point, you're like, you're like, what keeps you awake? And I was like, music. Um, and we were like, all right, let's put on some music. And I think I told you the whole Creed story because Leo, when he was mentioning, we were uh, waiting for you at the first cruise spot where we were going to drop off Sarah. It's like pitch black. Like we're in the car. It's dead quiet. And I just go, yeah, I have Creed like stuck in my head. And basically that just kind of <laughs> led to this genesis. Started talking to Eddie about Creed. Uh, Eddie texts me like one point during the race. He's like, hit Sally with the arms wide open. Like, uh, So in that moment when you asked me like, what keeps you awake? I was like, do I have the thing for you? And it literally just <laughs> so fired up arms wide open. And I forgot to tell you, Sally, as soon as uh, right before you cross the finish line, I see Eddie and he's like, Hey, like, Oh my gosh, like he made it. And the first thing I mentioned was you didn't tell me that Creed was one of your favorite bands. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he was like, what? Like, who told you that? I was like, Sally was telling me. And so, Oh, uh, it was so good, so good. So good. What about you, Sally? Like what's a, What's a story that just like makes you laugh when you think about any oh, of the 200? Gosh. Well, honestly, like I have so many stories with Leo. The fact that he got me from the airport and we we drove straight to Voodoo Donut. Like yes. we bought like this giant penis donut for his friend. Oh my God. And yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if you guys, anyone listening, if you've ever been to Voodoo Donut, they have crazy donuts there. And I was like, first of all, donuts are like my favorite thing in the world. And then Leo was like playing his playlist and every single song was a banger. I'm like, yes, I love this song. This is a great song. And like all of them. And I was like, you're my people, Leo. Like, <laughs> so perfect. Like, the last time I had seen Leo was, like, mile 28 at Cocodona. Like, I, like, yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden he's, like, my crew chief at Bigfoot. Like, it was so amazing. So I'm, like, getting to know him more, like, as we're driving. And this is only, like, 14 hours before the race, too. Like, I never really had enough time before the I never came in more than a day before the race. So, like, we just went on this crazy adventure, like, the night before the race. And and then we went to check in and it was like, as soon as we stepped out of, out of the car and I had said something to him too. I was like, yeah, just kind of like hang out with me. Keep me moving through like, like check in. And yeah, it was, I think we ended up being at race registration for two hours. I think mm. it was. <laughs> and-, and that was, that was my fault. Cause I, my parking spot uh, that I picked was right beside uh, another racer whose kid had a copy of your book. Yeah. So basically, I yeah, we were hooped as soon as we stepped out of the car. Yeah, as soon as we stepped out of the car. But it was, I mean, it was like, I loved that whole experience. It was really mm-hmm. precious. But yeah, so Leo hooked me up with a place to stay. We drove out to this beautiful countryside, had an amazing dinner. And then the drive from that house to the morning, I think it was like a two-hour drive maybe. Uh, yeah, I did really? It. 
I did it in ninety. Hour and a half. Yeah, you were passed out the whole time, which was what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> because he long. was probably driving ninety miles an hour the whole entire time. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. I've seen it. <laughs> Hitting pot- potholes like a boss, man. Like it was. But one of the things that I love so much about Leo is like he, every time I would come to the aid station, he would bring out just every single bag. was like, just what do you want? Like, what do you need? How can I make this like better for you? And I don't know why I started to have this obsession with LaCroix water. And (laughs) do you remember this, Leo? Do you know the story I'm Mm -hmm. about to tell right now? (laughs) There was one aid station, like it was probably just like the second or third aid station in the race where they had LaCroix. And I was like, dude, what race has LaCroix at the aid station? This is freaking amazing. But at that time, like I, like I didn't want it. Like I was like, I was in and out of the aid station, like super fast. I was like, I can't sit here and have LaCroix. But then later on in the race, when it was like super hot and like I was moving really slowly and I wasn't able to eat a lot, I was like, oh man, like a LaCroix would sound so nice on my belly and like a cold LaCroix on a hot day. Like that's like one of the first things I have after a hot long run. I don't know why. That's just like, I love having LaCroix. It's so good. And then we get to the last aid station. So I asked every single aid station for LaCroix. I'm sure all, and all the volunteers will always kind of look at me sideways. Joe, you remember this. You were with me for a hundred of those miles. They were like, we have Fresca. They are like, we have Fresca. And you and I both were like, yeah, that's not water. Not even close. Fresca is sugar. It's Coke. That's basically soda. I was like, no, I just want water, but bubbly water. Yeah. So we come into the last aid station and my appetite was back up and Leo orders me a cheeseburger and he brings out a whole box of LaCroix and it was like Christmas morning in August. It was, I was like, Leo, you are my best friend forever and always. I think I had like two, like I cracked open like two two LaCroix. Like it was like amazing. It was like the best thing ever. So I'll never, ever forget that. Like get yourself a crew chief that's going to go out and find LaCroix at any cost, even on the side of the mountain in Washington. Yes, and he brought it to Moab too, even before the race. He brought yeah. a case of LaCroix. And I, know, I, had, I had LaCroix every time I saw you guys. <laughs> even if it was two drinks, I was like, yeah. yeah. So good. So good. I, I do remember like a key moment. Like I think I think it might have been the first time like we were there in the crew, but you were like Leo was there helping with Eddie and Leo was being super helpful. And I remember you turned to Eddie and you go, Isn't Leo the best? And I was like, Oh, that is just so good. Like so, so good. I want to know, Leo, what was it like crewing with Eddie? Mm. What was oh, that experience was, like? It was a ton of fun. Like we I, you know, it He's, he's definitely a good crew, um, yeah. but he, he really does so much. And it was, it was so good to basically just take over just watching the timer so that he can focus on, mm-hmm. like, he, he knows your diet, you know, back to back and just yep. what you need right now. It, it was just really good to take the timing aspect away from him and just watch mm-hmm. that like a hawk while he could see the, just your stomach and your anything you need mm-hmm. with feet and all that. Um, yeah, it, we're just working like. Did he ever you know, freak out? Like, See, he, Eddie's known for like just being like steady Eddie, like super calm. Yeah. I could come he in a station so with chill. like 
blood coming down my face and he'd be like, all right, like, let's go. Like, <laughs> me. be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I mean, if he's for hire, I'd shit, I'd take him. <laughs> <laughs> he's very calming. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Um, but yeah, no, he'll, he'll, you know, he just feels like the guy that'll see your pain and then just make it glow instead. <laughs> I love it. Well, I really appreciate you being out there with him because oh, the, it was he's... it was an honor. <laughs> do you do you have any tips for Leo, someone who's doing a two hundred, who is looking for a crew, right? Or maybe to someone's listening, like crewing someone for an upcoming two hundred race. What's maybe yeah. like your biggest piece of advice for someone to nail down the crew strategy? Because you got to, I mean, like you were basically a one man crew at Bigfoot. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I was there, but I was either pacing or sleeping. So like, yeah. you know, I I was kind of like. You, you were the one man show. So yeah. that's a like expert level crew race. So anyone listening, like what's like your advice? Like, I feel like you can start a business, like just being oh. like a, like a <laughs> higher crew guy, like, cause you're an expert. So let, let's hear the, the, the tips from, from the wizard himself. Oh yeah. So big, Bigfoot, I would say is one of those weirder races where you're, you're basically backcountry camping for, for, for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the key thing is like, you, you really got to read through all the crew pacer runner manuals, just know what um, your runner needs. Uh, and especially in your case, Joe, uh, what the pacer needs. And I, I'll get into that um, because you don't, you don't jump into Bigfoot thinking, Oh yeah, no, I can go for gas and you know, 200 miles from now. And no, that you can't do that necessarily because you might be way in the middle of nowhere. Um, and yeah, you just have to plan accordingly and figure out how you as a crew, um, you know, you're, you're not tired at all when your runner needs you. Um, the other thing is ensuring that, you know, you're well fed in case you've, you don't even have gas station food mm-hmm. to contend with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, that like it's, it's stuff like that at a race just making sure your 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 pacer is well fed uh they've got a good spot to take a dirt nap i knew you you exercise your bivy sack out there at that aid station too joe that oh, was oh yeah that, that was, was a fun rough. sight oh yeah I, yeah sally when we were waiting for you for an aid station i literally just took a bivy sack and just like middle of the woods just lie down it's like 90 degrees i come out like just so sweaty i was like oh my gosh this was the baby sack that kills me i feel like i just cooked in there for like three hours straight that was right before that oh yeah right before that 7k climb that was like that section yeah so that was uh yeah that was that was one of the weirdest sleeps i've ever had oh yeah somebody thought you were dead too yeah it looks like a body bag bag. yeah yeah, yep. just on the side, like, why is he not sleeping? In the, oh my he's God. just sleeping in the middle of the forest. Yeah. So n- knowing the course is a, is a, is a really key ingredient to all this. Uh, the other thing is knowing your runner. Um, like, I mean, I mean, Sally, like we, I, I don't know if we were able to do this without sharing those 20 miles of Coca-Dona. Uh, like if, you know, if I picked you up as a like completely random stranger. Random stranger, yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah probably, it would have been a different, yeah. It would have been a different vibe for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. I think so too. No, I yeah. think you did a good job just like clicking in and, and being in the moment because I think, yeah, of the four races, that was probably one of the um, – like, like my energy level was, was probably the lowest there, like from mile mm. one. Like I, yeah. I really, 
it was a challenge just to get to the finish line because I was still recovering from Tahoe. I was still sick. Like I knew that it would be slow going. And I think that, you know, you were just really good at just assessing the situation in the moment, which I think sometimes can be intimidating for people, especially like in my case, like sometimes I was projectile vomiting and like sometimes the feet were like in such bad shape, like you, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think having a crew that is able to like keep their composure and just be calm and, and know that like, Hey, there's only so much that we can do. And sometimes the runner just needs someone to, to just be there understanding saying like, Hey, you just tell me what you need and I, I got you. And that's sometimes like the most comforting thing for a runner to hear is okay. I need LaCroix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else hurts, but LaCroix is going to make it all better. Yeah. <laughs> it always does. But you, yeah, you do a good job of just being flexible in the moment. And that's, um, that's really powerful. I think, you know, I've, I've witnessed some crews where it's like, it's a freaking mess. Mm-hmm. You know, you have four people all saying different things. And then you have some people that are just afraid of at what they're witnessing. And they're just like, mm-hmm. you just need to quit. Like, this is just not your day or like, Shut you know, up, Mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you just kind of want to, yeah, you want to rescue that runner from that, from mm-hmm. that situation. So having control over the emotions and that, keeping that composure and, you know, you're really good at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a story too in Leo. So Leo, like you never tell when he's tired, never tell when he's tired. And there's one part at Bigfoot where he goes, hey, man, like, I don't want to like make you nervous, but like I'm hallucinating right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you need to sleep, dude. I was like, get in the car. Sleep. I don't want to make you nervous, and, but I'm hallucinating right and now. And I was like, I was like, what? It's freaking oh, amazing. Gosh. So the irony was I was driving probably 60 miles an hour at that point. But we were five minutes away from that Wi-Fi I'm in the station. Seat, by the way, yeah. like, like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah, but that—that's how Joe and I usually roll. Like, I'm just the chauffeur, and I—I I just want to make sure the pacer has enough sleep for when it's go time. Um, if he's—if he's not sleeping, I'll psych him up with some Creed or some death metal. <laughs> Um, but it's all, it's all productive time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Leah was taking care of me. Like even coming back from Moab, I was like needed to get in the shuttle and everything. And like two hours, like right at the finish line, I'm like falling asleep. And he like, was like, you need to get in the shower. You need to pack your stuff. Like I would fall asleep and be like, dude, wake up. Like, come on, let's go. He's like like, crewing me even after the race, which was, which was great. It's like, you Um, can sleep on the shuttle. Yeah, get food in you in the meantime. <laughs> oh gosh, man, Leah, we appreciate you so much, so much. Um, seriously, uh, I guess like rounding this out, Sally. Like, so I know you're doing it. Probably uh, you were mentioning might be doing. You getting a lot of questions on like tips for 200 mile races. Now that you've done yeah. four of them, for those of them who are listening, i.e., there might be one asking you this question who's also mm. considering the question for himself too, aka wearing the yellow hat here. Um, <laughs> for oh someone who's looking to do their first. Moab. Two- Moab, Joe. I, yeah. I mean, Moab, and then maybe maybe a small race in the desert here next May. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I love so, it. You yeah, will, just you will be amazing. You you oh. will crush two hundreds. Yeah, I can't believe that you could pay someone for a hundred miles and be just so jovial and so upbeat the way you were. I'm like, oh. you, you were made for the 
for the long distances. But yeah, we're, we are going to do like a, um, a 200 training for a 200 mile like series to help people, um, kind of just give some insight and feedback on training, um, how to assemble crew and pacers, race strategy, um, key gear, how to take care of your feet. (laughs) 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 Yes. Oh, Uh. shoot. That's going to be like, I'll never be able to live that down ever. Um, But I'd say that like, like just overall, one of the most important things that I, I like to encourage people it's, and it's it's the same for any distance you're, you're, um, you're wanting to do. So whether it's like you're training for a half marathon, a full marathon, hundred mile, 200 mile, I really believe that if you commit yourself and consistently train, you can train for any distance. It, it doesn't have to be like first I need to do a 50 mile or then a hundred K then a hundred mile, then a 200. Like you don't like if, if 200s are like, that's, what's bringing in, that's your entryway into the sport. Nothing else like gets you excited, train for the 200. And mm-hmm. it is not the same as a 100 mile race. You can't approach it the same way. You can't think that it's going to run the same way. Um, you know, I know when I was first looking at like times and splits and stuff, I was like, dang, dude, people run slow at these. And then it's like, <laughs> then you get out there and you're so respectful. You're like, oh my gosh, it is so hard to run a 12 minute mile when you're at mile 188. Like mm-hmm. that is so much effort when you've climbed 30,000 feet, descended 30,000 feet through the mountains. You haven't slept in a couple of days. Like, okay, I get why the overall pace is slower here, but that's even different from a hundred. I mean, people are running hundreds now in like 13, 14 hours. So, um, these two hundreds, like you're looking at 50, 60, 70, 80, some people are 115 hours that you're spending out there. So, it's, it's respecting it as it's, it's own event. It's a, it's its own event on its own. I like to call them epics. I think they are beyond ultras. It is an epic adventure and that's kind of the way that you train for it and plan for it. And it's important to train so much more than just your running. Your brain is going to be the most powerful tool that you have out there. And so, pardon me. I still have all of the Moab desert stuck in my lungs. So I apologize for all the coughing that I've been doing, but, um, yeah, getting yourself used to just like long days on your feet. I mean, I think this is the first time in my entire career where I would put on like 20 pound waist vests and I would just go hike for two and three hours. Just Mm. what does it feel like to hike hard and fast with like a lot of weight on me? And not that I was ever carrying 20 pounds like in the race, but I'm sorry, but at the end of these 200s, everything feels heavy and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it feels like you're carrying 20 pounds on your back. Like, so you're learning how to be a master of endurance, both in mind and body and to be a pro at being flexible. And you have to expect that discomfort is a part of it. It's not negative. It's not a negative thing. We're not looking for negative things and expecting, Oh, this can be a terrible day. It's just like, I will be uncomfortable. That's a part of it but that's not going to be my focus. I'm just going to know how to like work through that. I know how to handle it. I know how to handle discomfort. It's not going to be something that rules your race, but you should know that it's going to be a part of your race. So those are just some quick insider tips, but I, I highly encourage whatever distance you're going for 
you commit yourself to the training, you can do it. I don't think there's anything extraordinary um, about me. And that's why I could do the 200s. It's just that I decided to train for them. And I committed my whole year to that and, and learning and growing. And I made a lot of mistakes and I, I did things maybe I wouldn't do again. And I, I learned a lot of lessons, but that's all part of it. That's the joy and the excitement of anything that we do that, that's new. Like you're not going to hit it on the head right away and that's okay. That's how you get better. So. so good. And I think that's one of the like million reasons why you inspire so many people like you said like if you're consistent enough you can train for it anyone can do it like if they're putting in the work and mm -hmm. it was i mean it's so cool to see you going into this year first 200 mile race like you've ever done was in was in may and then kind of going through that experience and then learning so quickly throughout from race to race sometimes with 17 days apart with a lot of learning you know uh, between tahoe and bigfoot but to culminate it out into a win i think is just such an epic story like that you have written that I think inspires a lot of people to say like, mm. I can, and even if they're not trying to win the race or anything like that, but to say like, I can do this, like mm. I can do this, I can commit to it. And you showing up like in the way that you did both on the trail, off the trail, um, is just so inspiring to, to carry that message through on. So it is, uh, you, you're living it, my friend. And it's, uh, we're, we're all just grateful to, to be following along your journey and being inspired along the way. I really appreciate that, Joe. And I so appreciate you too, Leo. I'm so grateful that this sport gave me two, two new friends and uh, two brothers I'll have forever. I mean, I've, oh. I've had so many great oh. memories with you guys. So I, I really appreciate both of you. Oh, we appreciate you too. Yeah, it, it was an honor. But uh, yeah, no, like I know this won't be the end of it. No. It's probably more shenanigans. <laughs> You're already planning with Eddie. <laughs> yep. Poor guy. It's like the, I got a comment yesterday on my on my Instagram and I was like laughing so hard because this guy's like I think he maybe had been following me for a while. He's like, I'm just gonna cut right to it. What other crazy bleep and bleep do you have planned for 2024? And um, and I responded to him. I was like, Oh, you have no idea how much Eddie just loves this comment because that's literally what he's asking every every day. But he's never surprised. He's never he's never ever been like, Are you serious? He's like, All right, here we go. <laughs> And he steps up. And he steps, and he steps up. up every time. He's just like, that's who I married. Yes. And, uh, and he is so calm. Like, I think that was the biggest change. thing. Yeah, he's calm. He's ready for the challenge, he like, is. at all times. Like, he is such a gem. Like, you, yeah, have, you have a good one on your hands, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah he's a great sure. guy. We've been, we've been together since we were 19. So it's like, he just knows. Because like, some people will give him a hard time. They'll, like... Or they'll just say things that are kind of like, oh, we feel sorry for Eddie or like poor Eddie. <laughs> and I remember this one time someone had, had kind of like this, this woman kind of like said that, like, oh, you poor thing. You have to do this and this. And he's like, I know who I married. And I was like, yes, babe. Yeah, you tell her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he was like proud of me he's like i know who i married i got this so i was like all right but i just i love that so much about him like we we genuinely are like he's my best friend in the whole world so i think that um whenever i dream up something it, he's he's always in mind and i always envision him there with me and so yeah i i do feel lucky i know um that's that's not like common you know to have 
I, I guess a lot of things I do aren't common. So um, <laughs> to have someone along for the ride that's like excited and, and to support me every step of the way, like I don't take that for granted. So yeah, he's well appreciated in our home. He, uh, he knows yeah. he's the king. He's the king. <laughs> king Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And he is such a gem. I know Leo and I just enjoyed just getting to know him more like when we were crewing. And he was so nice, so kind, such Aww. a just a genuine heart. And uh yeah, yeah he's uh he he's incredible. So we can vouch too for sure that oh, for uh sure. He is a great teammate to have. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you, you guys. This has been so much fun, and I love that this is chronicled forever. Yes, this is chronicled. When when we're old and gray, we can go back and and remember these uh, these glory days and these amazing stories. And um, yeah, I'll never forget them. So you guys are great. Oh, well, thank you, Sally, for letting us be a part of this. Like, seriously, it was such an honor being a part of your journey. Like you inspire me every day. And I know Leo feels the same way. And just to just to be on your team, it was it was an honor. It was a pleasure. Like I said, one of the most transformative experiences of my life to just see you go through what you did and and to accomplish what you have. Like it's something I'll never take away for sure. For anyone listening to please follow Sally, pick up a copy of her book, choose strong as well. Such a great book. I cried probably about 20 times reading this and still do. If I ever read a passage every now and then super, super good. Download her strength app, whole nine yards. You will not regret it. And Leo, man, any, any last words from, from you, Mr. Crew legend over here? Um, Yeah, I I think I'll part with uh, what I kept telling Sally, I guess, towards the beginning at Bigfoot is uh, it's it's always a 10 inning game. Like you just Mm. whatever, whenever you mess up, chances are it's forgivable or it's fixable. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Have some patience on yourself. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So well said. So well said. Yeah. Well, you two, thanks. Thank you both for hopping on the podcast. Yeah. You two are well, amazing. Joey, we are cheering for you. Havily 100. Yeah. Let's go. Um, yeah. Let's, go. <laughs> Let's go, Joe. Let's go, Joey. Let's go, Joey. Let's go, Joey. Go, Sione. I'm getting it up. And and guess what? You'll, if anyone's looking to see me, I'll be wearing the yellow hat out there. So I told, told you, Sally, I'm wearing that because, uh, I'll be remembering like when I'm on loop five, I'll, I'll oh, remember just how hard you push them all out. <laughs> you yeah. better save just a tiny bit extra, a little bit more than everyone else. So you can crush loop five. Exactly. So there. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell my Let's patient, go. don't talk to me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. I'm putting on my Sally hat. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I oh, you are so I kind. I appreciate well, you so I'm much. I'm tracking. I was trying to find every excuse imaginable to get out there, and oh. um, I couldn't. So, but um, no, it's good. It's good for me to be home. I need to be home. But I will be tracking all freaking day, and um, I know you're going to have a great race out there. You've given so much of yourself to everyone else, and I just like I'm praying that you have the day that you dreamed of and that you trained for, Joey, because you you deserve it. Oh, thank you so much, Sally. I appreciate that a ton. And yes, I'm glad you're staying home. Like seriously, yeah. like stay home, enjoy it, get the recovery. Like, please, yeah. yes. I'd be like, please do what you need to do. And uh, to hear that from you, my friend, means the absolute world. So I'll be thinking of you out there and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Appreciate awesome. You All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining All in. Right. We'll see you at the next crazy Sally adventure. And uh, yes, <laughs> I love it. We'll see you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product, and uh, go try them out. They're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.